hate it when it's kids. John Granger didn't reply. He felt the same way. But talking about it wouldn't make it any better. At least not this early in the case, when they didn't know what they were dealing with. It didn't stop D.S. Simpson, though. She liked to talk more than she liked to listen. A fact that, in Granger's opinion, meant she'd never really be a great copper. But if she was talking, it meant he didn't have to, so that was fine by him, too. The call had come in ten minutes ago, and Simpson had driven them, siren blaring, through city traffic to get here, but there was already a crowd gathered between them and the crime scene, blocking the street and hemming the cars in. Simpson leaned heavily on the horn to get people to move, and gave the finger to a scruffy woman who banged hard on the car's hood as they inched past. Did they see how bad it was, boss? The sergeant asked then had to push the horn again to get three kids, all with phones raised in the air taking photographs to move aside. It's bad, Granger eventually replied. Two short words that said all they needed to regarding the situation they were about to walk into. Simpson sensibly didn't ask him to elaborate. She might have got more cursing than she bargained for. Granger already knew that the Albert Road flats were rough enough in themselves without adding endangered kids to the mix. A 60s housing experiment that turned to shit before the decade was out. It had festered ever since, into a warren of damp apartments where working people tried to eke out a normal existence against the daily backdrop of junkies, petty thieves and alcoholics. In some cases, all three at once. It had been Granger's patch ten years before, and he'd never been happier than when a promotion had taken him away to the CID and a city centre desk. He'd only been back twice in all that time, both for murders. As they drew into the rubbish-strewn parking bay on the north side of the block of flats, he was hoping against hope this wasn't another one. Once they got out of the car, they had to push their way through the jostling crowd, an angry mob looking for someone, anyone, to vent their frustration on. The uniformed coppers were taking the brunt of it, a cacophony of verbal abuse that was frightening in its intensity. Granger nodded at Sergeant Irvin, a man he'd known since he was a young copper himself. The burly man smiled back. Do you fancy your old job back, John? We could do with some of that Granger muscle for ten minutes. Granger clapped the man on the shoulder. Another time, Alec, he said. When there's fewer folk and more beer involved, I could get some more men down from our station if you need them. Irvin laughed. I'd never hear the end of it. No, it's under control for now. Just don't go starting any new fights. You know me, Alec, Granger said. Aye, I wouldn't have said it otherwise, Irvin replied. His booming laugh followed them as they made for the crime scene. It's over this way, boss, Simpson said as they neared the building. I know, Granger replied, pushing past her. It's not as if they've remodelled the place recently. The only new thing about the flat since his last visit was that the filth had spread further. Multicoloured graffiti covered the walls on the way up the stairs, gang slogans in the main and mostly obscene. Dirty-faced kids lined the hallway, cursing and shouting at the two cops as if they were the perpetrators of whatever had happened here, using the same foul language that was getting used below in the car park. The kids might not know what all the words meant, but they knew just fine how to use them on coppers. Granger kept a tight rein on his temper, a trick he'd learned from necessity during many previous trips up this same stairwell in his days in the beat. A young constable, 
pasty-faced and visibly trembling, stood at the top of the stairs as they reached the second floor landing. Granger sent him away. Get yourself a cup of tea and a cigarette, son, he said. We'll take it from here. A white-suited forensics team was already on site and had marked out the crime scene in tape, blocking them from getting any closer. Granger knew better than to try to cross the boundary. What have we got, Jim? he called out. A man stood up from where he'd been examining the ground. It was only then that Granger saw the blood, far too much of it, smeared across the floor and walls, as if someone had coated both hands with it and produced a manic finger painting. The forensic scientist walked slowly over to where Granger stood. I won't shake hands, he said. He wore a pair of latex gloves and carried a small soft brush. You don't know where they've been.